Hello and welcome to the final episode of our podcast series, My Grandparents, My Parents and I. My name is Sarah Myers. Today we speak to Miss Verona Woodley and I pick up on our conversation. I remember mum telling me a story about trying to get my, when my when she brought my older sister and brother over from Jamaica um, and she needed school placements for them, one seven and one's nine, so mm-hmm. both need primary school places. And we had a primary school um, on our road uh-huh. um, and there was one road to cross in order to get to it. Um, however, there's a number of primary schools in the area. So mum said she went up to the primary school to register my brother and sister and the headmaster said, no, you'd be better off at the other school. And mum explained that in order for them to get to the other schools, they have to cross four or five roads and for the children's safety. And this went on for three months. Wow. Um, she, she persisted. Mm-hmm. There, there's that resilience again. And she did get them both into um, that school. However, I remember my older sister telling me her first day at school, she's quite dark skinned, Mm -hmm. her first day at school, children were rubbing her face to try and see if the colour would come off. Wow. And she recalls being, her face being very sore Mm -hmm. and feeling red raw um, when she left school that day. Mm -hmm. So um, even my sister at nine years old experienced, when she was in Jamaica, there's lots of people her colour. Yeah. So that would never have happened to her in Jamaica. However, that was an experience that she endured at nine um, in England. In England. Mm. I listened to um, a few people have said, like, when they went to school, the children were like, oh, my gosh, like, are you dirty? Can you wash your hair and things like that? And I've often wondered, was it was it curiosity, just like we'd never seen snow? Mm-hmm. And there was this kind of like, just like your Grand. uh, grandma said, there's manna coming from, mm-hmm. you know, because we've never seen this before. Was it the same kind of innocence with children, however their parents were fueling it? I'm going to answer this with another story. Okay. So mum told me uh, one day... Her and a her and a friend, a black another black lady, mm-hmm. um, working away in the factory, and um, the boss came down from upstairs and came onto the shop floor and said to my mum and this other lady, um, "I've heard you you Caribbean women have got tails." Oh gosh. So mum, being a Christian, didn't say anything, but the lady that was she was working with wasn't a Christian, and proceeded to lift her skirt to show the um, boss that they didn't have tails. So in answer to your question, I would say it was fueled by adults. Yes. Uh, children are born innocent. Children don't know no different than what you tell them or what they see. Yeah. Um, so I do believe it was fueled by ignorance yeah. um, of adults, adults. Um, at that time. Mm. And children see what their parents project as mm-hmm. well. They hear the conversations their parents are having in the house. So when they were be called, being called things like monkey, yes. it's not because black people look like monkeys, it's because this tale had been created that we have tails like <laughs> monkeys. Um, so that came from somewhere. Yes. Um, because no black person has a tail. No. So um, that line must have been born out of somebody's ignorance. Yeah. And it got spread and people believed it. And people believed Tell us, um, okay, so tell me about what you think for your parents the main struggle was for them when 
in England, I know, yeah, there was the racism. How did that impact on them as a, as a unit? How did that impact on you as a family unit? It made them stronger. Yeah. Um, like I said, m- dad wouldn't let mum go anywhere unless he walked her. And there were times where he did fight for her. So I think it made them stronger as a unit. The community, not just them as a couple. I think the communities, because you would have one house with three or four families um, sharing that house. Yeah. So that fostered community spirit. I think f- I've already said my mum was a Christian, so she was also part of the church community mm-hmm. um, and helped to ra- build and raise um, that church community. So um, I think they leaned on each other a lot because they only had each other and only each other understood the, exactly what they were going, going through because all of them were experiencing the same things mm-hmm. in different ways at the same times. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I think there was positives to it, but I think, um, and again, I always think about where would, you know, like now we have a lot of mental health um, in our community. Mm -hmm. Um, But the first generation that came seemed to be extremely, extremely resilient, you know, because some of the things that would send us to an institution now, our parents went through and it was almost like, they brushed it off their shoulders as they went along on a daily basis. So I do think it did impact on them mm-hmm. mentally. Mm-hmm. However, there was a different resilience that they came with. Do you think it's the fact that there was a, a more stronger community bonding? Definitely. Because everybody kind of came at the same time and there was a little one, you know, you scratch my back, I'll mm-hmm. scratch yours. There was a bond. Definitely. And then there was the partner, wasn't there? There was the partner. So like when when mum was telling me about buying the house in England mm-hmm. to save the money and that they joined a partner. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, when they got their hand, they were able to put a deposit on the house and move out. Mm-hmm. When they moved out, when they put the deposit on the house and moved out to our our family home mm-hmm. um they brought three families with them right so we were still in a room yeah. but the house was ours yeah um but then we enabled other families to move with us and as they got their partner hands they then would move out and get their house and help another three families and that's mm-hmm. how the community worked together yeah to to strengthen each other to support each other and to help each other mm-hmm. um so i think that that community spirit was so important that networking together um i don't think they would have got through without that togetherness no i don't think they would have i think it was a definitely a different time mm-hmm. and i think the more generations that started taking root in England the more British our values became Mm -hmm. the more we started to replicate what we saw going on around us um and then we became distrustful Mm -hmm. but I think initially like you said that resilience that was very I mean you had people coming here who maybe like you said hadn't been to school Mm -hmm. and they had got jobs in in the factories whether it was engineering or you know, whatever factory it was, maybe it was players, maybe mm-hmm. it was rally bikes, maybe it was, you know, Longbridge, um, Longbridge, mm-hmm. maybe Dorofa. it was Crawford's Biscuits, mm-hmm. Silver Spoon or whatever. They got jobs and they bought houses. Mm-hmm. You know, my granddad, um, God bless him. He 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 wasn't very literate, 
but he bought a house and raised nine kids, mm -hmm. you know? So there is something very uh, inspiring about the first generation. Definitely. There is As well, inspiring. my mum talked about there being lots of opportunities. Yeah. And I think that young people today don't have them same job opportunities. You no. can't walk out of a job today and get one tomorrow um, or within the next hour. Yeah. Um, it's much, much more difficult to secure work. Mm -hmm. um, but back then, because it was the country was trying to fix itself, um, there was loads of jobs. Um, yeah. So the opportunities to be able to make money, even though it wasn't fair at times, they'd mm -hmm. be getting paid less, mm -hmm. but the opportunities were there. So one of the mottos I remember our mum used to always say is you have to work twice as hard mm -hmm. because your skin is black. And that's born out. Of, now I understand that's born out of the fact that she was doing the same job as other people, yeah, but getting paid less. So she had to work twice as hard. She'd have to work a Saturday, for instance, mm -hmm. to make up her wage packet to somebody that was white and only working Monday to Friday. Yeah. Just doing so the same job. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Was definitely that. But I think, what do you think that your parents contributed to you growing up here what do you think you've taken from that they maybe was it culture cooking um principles faith what do you think that they brought from jamaica and has been imparted in you i have to say all of it <laughs> so um i speak patwa in my home we so do my children yes we do <laughs> um so the language, mm -hmm. the food, we mm -hmm. all know how to cook um, Caribbean food. It stretches yeah. beyond Jamaica. Yeah. Um, the, the Christian beliefs. Yeah. Um, so my mum was an evangelist in her church. So wow. um, we were brought to church every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, so... I think all of it, as well as the, um, she also gave us, they gave us, both parents, Yeah. the reality that our skin colour was different and yeah. we were going to face difficulties because of our skin colour. Yeah. And they didn't hide that from us and they taught us how to deal with it. Yeah. Um, back then, some people say, oh, they let, they let teachers get away with anything. But I remember one day uh, um, when I was at school, primary school, and back then they could cane the children. Yeah. And um, I remember a teacher caning one of my cousins. And we'd all be given like 2p spending money for the day. Mm -hmm. So we all put our 2p's together and sent my cousin home after she'd been caned um, to my uncle. And within about an hour, my uncle and my cousin was back at the school. And all hell broke loose because my uncle was literally strangling the teacher for caning his daughter yeah um so again that and when i say cousin it really wasn't a cousin it was a lodger yeah. in the house that yeah. lived in our house that because of respect another thing they taught us um we had to call him uncle yeah but he wasn't our blood uncle he was a lodger yeah, but yeah. years later we find out that he was not really our blood <laughs> uncle um so yeah so that again that togetherness and that growing the children together helped us to the next generation after the first generation yeah. that came helped us to foster a community yeah but as time's going on as you said that community is breaking down and distrust is coming in and people are living for themselves 
more than that as a unit. Yeah. Um, which is probably what's damaging our current community. Yeah. Mm. And I think it's it's about, I because, uh, you know, I speak to young people all the time and talk about the Windrush generation. And some of them look at you like, what are you on about, mm. you know? Um, and we can definitely see those values. That's why I think it's really important that we remember the Windrush, we celebrate it, mm-hmm. you know, um, and then people understand why we have carnival. Yeah. You know, why we hold on to our patois, mm-hmm. you know, how patois has evolved now. Now it's street talk. Yeah, now it's, yeah, yeah. you know, everybody wants everybody to speak wants, it. Yeah, I was on a bus. <laughs> it was very strange when I first came to Birmingham. I got on a bus and a, a, a white guy was sitting in the back of the bus going, yeah, I might just go to my yard, innit? And I was just thinking, wow. Yard. Okay, yard. <laughs> you know, um, sometimes kids will say in schools, kids will speak to me. They'll speak to me in patois at schools. I'll mm-hmm. be like, what are you talking what are you, what are you talking about? Yeah. And the preservation of Patwa in our community, you know, that it's not broken English. Yeah. It's the way we talk. That's it's, right. It's the spice in mm-hmm. our life, mm-hmm. you know. Like it was funny when we were growing up, because my mum was a nursery nurse, social services nurse, you know. Yeah. She spoke perfect English yeah. at school, at yeah. nursery. Um, like for instance, I remember her answering the phone. Hello, yes, I'm fine. How are you? And having a lovely conversation or Englishy. Yeah. And then she'd put down the phone and she'd be like, Oh no think send me out the wall calling you, I'll not clean up the yours. <laughs> and you know, the pattern the way she would flip from yeah. English to pattern, it was yeah. it was just natural. Yeah. In our home. So we all do that now. We all flip. Definitely. We can all be very English or we can be very um, Caribbean. When did you start speaking Patwa yourself, independently wow. as a child? Wow, to be honest, um, we were very fortunate. As a child, our, as children, our parents thought it important that we know where they come from, not yeah. just through story. So my first visit to Jamaica was four. Right. Um, I don't recall this because I was only four, but I've been told by my mum, myself and my next sister, who would have been seven at the time, mm-hmm. Uh, we were taken to Jamaica for the first time. And um, when we got back to England, my sister, who was seven at the time, um, went back to school and mum got a call from the school to say they can't understand my sister. Yeah. They don't know what she's saying. So mum had to give her a really good talking to when she came home to say, you can't speak <laughs> Patois at school. Nobody right. will understand what you want or what you're saying. You have to speak English. <laughs> so she picked up on it straight away. Yeah. Um, I don't know about me. I, I'd say probably when I got to about maybe, I, I know I spoke it all the time because it was in the home, but really re- recollecting speaking it, I would say maybe nine, ten. Okay. Yeah. I really started to practice. I think most of us got to about nine, ten, and we hear our parents saying, and the weirdest thing about Patwa is I didn't, no one had to tell me what someone was saying. Mm, I just, just knew. Know. Yeah. You know, if someone said to me, go get that, I'd, I'd just, you know. I'd know. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether they said little picking them. I, I instinctively knew what they were mm-hmm, talking about. Mm-hmm. I, you know, all of that. I know me when I go back to Jamaica, they think I'm Jamaican because I got the I got the pat the pat down, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? And I, I like to confuse them. As I well. like to confuse them. It's really great. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're there. Da, 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 da. But um I I, I really love patwa and food. Mm-hmm. The food. Yeah, I think always. we cook some beautiful mm-hmm. dishes. And the little what is it? Every every 
every mickle and one one feel cork or feel basket mm-hmm. you know the little sayings i think all of those things the food how we can take i don't know chicken foot it sounds so disgusting mm. but you can make the sweetest soup yeah, of that yeah. you know um and the food that that we we kind of shun like i'm not into cow foot or anything like yeah. that but yo when that thing's cooking and you walk the into spam. a house and there's some reggae music playing you're home yeah you know what time it is you know what Definitely, time it is yeah. so i think that you know as our as our, our motto is out of one many many mm-hmm. and we're not just in that little that well the great big island because we're not small you know the great big island of the caribbean look look at the influence this little island has had music Mm -hmm. culture Mm -hmm. food hairstyle dances you know um artists you go anywhere and you talk about bob marley you can go anywhere and talk about vice cartel Mm -hmm. you know they know who they they know who they are and they know where they come from. even our fashion um even though some of it's not very palatable <sighs> but um you know it, 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 you see it in society across society Definitely. regardless of color mm-hmm. um so yeah shoes and clocks yeah the desert you know, boots and... yeah and and if we take something under our wing and say right this looks good then you can see Definitely. across society and you do yeah you see it's the influences that it that it has i think um we need to celebrate but we have come to the end of the show oh. Verona. i want to thank you very much for being in conversation with you thank you for absolutely for asking me to do this. thank you thanks for listening to our interview with miss verona woodley we hope you enjoyed it if you want some more information about the story of the wind rush check the show notes for useful links and websites This podcast is supported by BCC Windrush, 75 Small Grants Programme and produced by Southern Productions. Please subscribe, rate and review. It really helps us reach more people. And if you enjoyed this episode, please tell a friend.